and welcome to the Wisdom for Life broadcast. This is Pastor Glenn with another episode that we hope will bless you. Balaam went with Balak's officials, verse 36. When Balak heard that Balaam was coming, he went out to meet him at the Moabite town in the Arnon border at the edge of his territory. Balak said to Balaam, did I not send you an urgent summons? Why didn't you come to me? Am I really not able to reward you? Well, I have come to you now, Balaam replied, but I can't say whatever I please. I must speak only what God has put in my mouth. Then Balaam went with Balak, and you can pronounce that for yourself. Verse 40, Balak sacrificed cattle, sheep, and gave to Balaam and the officials who were with them. The next morning, here's the operative verse right here, verse 41. The next morning, Balaam took Balaam up to Behemoth Baal. That was a place of worship where they worshiped Baal. And from there, he could see the outskirts of the Israelite camp. Say this with me. See the outskirts of the Israelite camp. Come on, pray with me. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we ask this morning that God, that we could see the order of heaven. That God, we could see the order of heaven. That we would order our lives in obedience to the order of heaven. That the order on earth of our lives would be the order of heaven. That we would, God, be lined up behind the cross. And that our lives would be centered on you. Not on self, not on the world, but our lives would be centered on you. Thereby, no matter what comes against us, no matter it be a curse, no matter what evil might rise up against us, it will fail because it's facing the cross. <laughs> and it's facing you, God, and your power. God, we give you the praise and thanks in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen. Just a little bit of a Bible study this morning. You'll find inside of your bulletins is a, is a handout. You can go ahead and look at that. I want to show you this morning what Balaam saw. That last verse that we said that was operative, operative there, that last verse said Balaam saw something. Well, in Numbers chapter 2, it should be a handout. It's not your bulletin. Some of you are looking at your bulletin right now. Why? Hallelujah. Somebody folded it. Ah, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. They're going to put it up here on the screen. Thank you. Okay, it's on the screen as well. I can't read that. I don't have my bifocals on. But here's the deal. I want to show you what Balaam seen. What he seen was the Israelite movement in a camp that was ordered. Can somebody say that with me? Camp that was ordered. Now, there were four tribes that were leaders. They were the largest tribes of the 12. And each of those four tribes had like, just like if you went to teen camp or went to a children's camp, they would hold up these flags. And on those flags, there would be a symbol. And everyone ordered themselves around that flag. Now, there's two million of them, so they need some type of a system. Say system. They were ordered in this way. And so each of these four are this. There was an ox head. There was a man's head. There was an eagle's head as well, right? And there was a lion's head, the lion being the lion tribe of Judah. When they lined up in such a way, they put the tribe of Levi in the middle, and that was where the tabernacle was, so that it would be the center. Come on, church, say center. It would be the center and heartbeat of the camp. 
So they move this way and they camp this way. In him we live and in him we move and have what? Come on, our being. And so they were ordered in the fashion of a cross. And if you look at Numbers chapter 2, you can look all of this up later, and you draw a little map, you can napkin it out, you'll see that each of the tribes were ordered in this shape. I want you to see that later on, Ezekiel, as he gets an image or a picture of heaven, God shows him the throne room. And when he sees the throne room, guess what he sees? He sees a being that has an ox head. He sees a being that has a man's head, another being that has the face of an eagle, and another being, come on, that has a lion's head. We get to the book of Revelation. Is anybody alive this morning? John is caught up, raptured up to heaven, and he sees the, a being with an ox head. He sees a being with a man's head. He sees a being with an eagle's head, and he sees this, this being right here that has a lion's head. John sees it. Ezekiel sees it. Come on. The Israelites are living it. This is the same thing in heaven that is now being done here on earth. I'm going to take you on a ride this morning. If you didn't drink your caffeine this morning, your coffee, go get it right now. You're going to need it. You're going to need to be alive today. I want you to see that what the person that intended to curse God's people saw was the cross. I want you to see that when your life is ordered and your life is centered around the worship of Jesus Christ and everything in your life is ordered according to the cross, all the devil sees when he comes to curse you is Jesus Christ and the cross. That ought to make you shout this morning. Come on, amen and a-women. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. I want you to see that seven times Balak offers to Balaam the opportunity to come and curse God's people. And in each of these seven times, they build seven altars, they, they offer up seven bulls as sacrifice, and then Balaam steps out to go and curse what he sees in the shape of a cross, and out of his mouth doesn't come a curse, but a blessing. Whoo! Now this gets expensive. Because after you move from the first time to the second time to the third and fourth, at, right all the way up to the seventh, we have all kinds of animals being slain and killed just to get a job done that would never get done. Woo! I want to tell you this morning, do not underestimate your enemy. He will pay every expense he can. He'll leave no stone unturned to attempt to prosecute you and curse you. Now each time... Balak, the king of Moab, say Moab. Each time the king of Moab, Balak, meets with Balaam, they go to a different spot. They go to another spot. They go to another spot. They see the children of Israel and the 12 tribes, and they encircle it. In each of the locations, they go to another spot. Well, if it won't work here, I guess we'll try it over here. Well, if it won't work there, I guess we'll do it over here. Well, if it won't work over here, maybe I'll try it here. You see, your devil in the enemy that faces you is always looking for a way in. He's always looking for a way in. I want to show you, though, as long as they remained faithful, the center of their tribe in their camp was always the glory of God. Whatever angle that that Balaam and that Balak would try to get in with a curse, 
they would all always be facing the tabernacle. They'd always be facing the tabernacle. Man, I feel the Spirit of God this morning. Man, I'm telling you something. If you will order your life and you will put Jesus at the center of everything. Some people say to me, they say, Pastor, well, listen, I put Jesus first. That's, that's pretty good, but let me help you with that. That means there can be a close second. I'm not talking about just putting him first. I'm talking about making him the center, the center of everything. Everything revolves around Jesus. He's not just part of your life. I'm talking about he is your life. And that is a defense that is unstoppable. This is what Balak and Balaam set out to do. And I want to help you out a little bit this morning because we're going to be talking about how we end up kicking donkeys again with all of this. You see, the Lord blessed his people with peace and their lives were arranged in covenant order around the tabernacle. There was no way for the enemy to get in, but the enemy tried anyways. You see, we, we kick our donkeys when we are tempted by the enemy to be drawn out of order, to be drawn out of fellowship, to get away from camp, to get away from the tabernacle, to get away from the glory of God. We haven't spent much time with God. We haven't spent much time in his presence and then someone comes up and attempts to curse us. I'm going to help you this morning because this is going to happen to you. And if it, happen, it haven't happened yet, it's going to happen soon. I'm telling you, it's going to happen. Say, Pastor, everybody likes me. You're lying to yourself. Sometimes you don't even like you. Can I help you this morning? Not everybody likes you, but I can tell you my God loves you. And he's on your side, but you need to get on his. Now, here's what's going to happen in your life. There are going to be people that don't like you, and for some unforeseen reason, they're going to say something, they're going to do something, and they're going to, to maybe character assassinate, lie, lie about you, slander you, gossip about you, say something about you, and you're going to get this attitude within you that says, I'm not a doormat, nobody walks on me, and you're going to want to go and defend yourself. I want to show you that Israel, at this moment, the children of Israel, do nothing to Moab. In fact, they're told in Deuteronomy not to attack Moab. I'm going to show you in a little bit why. It's very important that you get to that point. Don't tune out. So all they do, they, they're like sitting ducks. And, and this Balaam has, the, uh, he has the, the, the whole entire area around him believing that he's the only one with the power to do anything. He's famous for his blessings and his cursings. And so when he shows up, the Moabite king says, we got this in a bag. But the reality is, God has already got what got them. God has surrounded what has surrounded you. And they showed up, and God showed up. And God began to deal with them. They didn't draw out and defend themselves. I want to show, I want to show you this morning what that, that might look like. Because sometimes it's passive-aggressive. You know what I mean by that, right? Passive-aggressive. Okay, so here, here's what it'll look like. Somebody will come up to you, and they'll say something like, they, they don't like you, they just want to curse your life. They'll come up to you, and they'll say, you know, you really are a prideful person. Now, your response might be, I am the most humble person I know. You just kicked your donkey. That donkey that showed up and said that to you, right? In your attempt to kick it, you became it. You became the donkey. 
you just justified everything they just said. I'll give you another one, right? You know, it seems to me like you're angry all the time. I do not get angry. I don't know what you're talking about. I never get angry. <laughs> okay. Donkey kicker. See, as soon as you attempt to defend yourself and not let Jesus do it, come on, not let God do it, as soon as you attempt to defend yourself against what's spoken against you, right, you become what is said about you. Do you want to become what the Bible says about you, or do you want to become what other people say about you? Then watch your response. In the text, there is no response from Israel because it does not require one. Israel can't be affected by that curse anyway. There are blessings on Israel that cover them from God that nothing from the enemy or Satan could top. Let me, let me put it to you this way. For 20 years of my life, I was misunderstood. And I thought that everyone around me was different than me. I thought I was the only one misunderstood. And so it was my full-time job to make sure anytime somebody misunderstood me, to go out and correct their opinion of me. <laughs> All right, let, let me tell you how frustrated that made me. Because in my attempt to correct their misunderstanding of me, I became every single time what they were saying, which would frustrate me more, which would cause me to want to go and do that. And you know what I do now? I don't give a flip. I don't care. All I know is what God has said about me. I'm not worried anymore about what somebody else is. You saying that about me? So what, man? Inquiring minds want to don't? Well, go, go inquire. I, I don't care. I ain't got time for that. But I spent 20 years thinking that if somebody said something bad, I got to go confront it. I ain't going to confront that. I already know what God's word has said. God's word trumps their word. Somebody give God some glory in here. So there's always going to be people that are out to criticize you, judge you, attack you, spread rumors about you. <laughs> when you spend all your time trying to kick those donkeys, you become one too. Don't do it. Let God be your defender. Psalms chapter 62 verse 5. I depend on God alone. I put my hope in him. He alone protects and saves me. He is my defender. Who is? God. And I shall be, I shall never be defeated. My salvation and honor depend on God. He is my strong protector. He is my shelter. There's a song we used to sing back in the day. You were my rock. You were my shield. You were my sure defender. I lay down my pride. I take up my shield. I let the Lord defend me, as he said. You see, your real fight isn't against what people are saying about you. Your real fight is just to stay close to the tabernacle in Jesus and keep your life ordered in the order of heaven. Your real fight is to stay close to God. It's not what people are saying. Don't get caught up in that. Don't get caught up in that mess. You want to be like Jesus? 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 23. When Jesus was insulted, he did not answer back with an insult. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but placed his hopes in God, the righteous judge. Come on, church. Come on. <laughs> What was over Israel, and what's the big question here? I'm going to start landing the plane, so hold on to yourself here. But what is the big question here? The big question for me is, as I study this text, is why God stopped Balaam 
the first time. Because if there was no power in that curse over Israel, and you say, Pastor, I need a scriptural reference for that. Well, here's what the promise of God was over the children of Israel. Genesis chapter 12, verse 3. I'll bless those who bless you, and I'll curse those who curse you. And through you, all nations and all peoples of the earth will be blessed. That was already over them. It was like a shield on Star Trek. You don't like Star Trek? I don't care. I don't care. But it was like shields, and nothing could get through it. So, so, so why would God stop Balaam from cursing at all? Let him go curse. It, it, it doesn't have any power. It's not going to trump what God has said. I'm about to take you very quickly in the next five minutes to what Paul Harvey said is the rest of the story. If no, if no curse could touch God's people, why stop Balaam with an angel? Well, he wasn't completely stopped. He was put on pause. He was put on pause. The rest of the story says that Balaam traveled on and met Balak. Balak said, where you been, buddy? Hey, I've got some riches for you. Obviously, you don't want them because you don't get here in time. You know, you're not on time. He says, I'm here now. But I, I'm going to tell you right now, Moabite king. Uh, I can I can only go so far as the chain of God on my mouth. Whatever comes out of my mouth is going to be from the Lord. This Moabite king ain't listening. You know, he's got what we call selective hearing. Anybody you know got selective hearing? Huh? See, that was a miss right there. You could have said, huh? Mm-mm. Oh, pastor, come on. <laughs> so why stop him? Why pause him and then let him go again? And then why allow him? to say a blessing instead of a curse. I want to tell you the story. Say Moabites. Did you know God loved them too? See, we read the Old Testament and we think God is all about destroying and killing everybody. And all he loves is his Jewish kids. Uh Uh-uh. Did you hear that promise that I read from, from Genesis chapter 12 just a few moments ago? It says, through you all peoples and all nations will be blessed. God's not interested in just blessing some. He's not a respecter of persons. Israel was chosen for a reason, to be a missionary nation that would produce the Messiah. That's it. They weren't the the favorite, okay? And that's why God used them and blessed them. You are God's grafted-in children today. But don't think it's just about you. used to be a funny show on TV where this grown man... I don't know, almost seven foot tall, would, go, would run around. He was dressed up like a little child, and he used to tell his mother, look what I can do, you know. And his mother would be like, now, calm down, Stuart. It's all about me. Look what I can do. You know, and I'm like, you're seven feet tall, dude. You're 35 years old. It ain't about you. <laughs> but we think God's love is just for me. Silly rabbit. Come on. It was for the Moabites too. So I want to tell you what happens later. And this is the this is the instrumental part. This is the the instrument part of the whole entire sermon this morning. What happens later is seven times a blessing comes out instead of a curse. And it comes from the man who's known for the biggest and baddest when it comes to occultic practices and cursing there was in the land you're going to tell me that people didn't find out about this you're going to tell me that the news didn't travel throughout moab 
that here's the biggest, bad, Leroy Brown, baddest guy in the whole town, badder than a whole King Kong, meaner than a junkyard dog. You're going to tell me that the guy that was the, was the captain of the Harley Club is now changed his clothes, and now he's meeting in the town square with his granddaughter and her friends, and he's having tea parties? Is that what you're going to tell me? You're going to tell me the whole town isn't going to take notice when the baddest guy in the town starts working for Jesus, starts working for the Lord and not the devil? Come on, church. Word gets out. And who does it get out to? It gets out to Moab. I'm going to show you how. I'm going to take you through a little bit of a story here that gives you the laydown. Just a couple books later, and we think that's generations later, and it's not. Same time frame, only one generation later. Joshua chapter 2, verse 8. It tells us a story about how 12 spies are sent out into Canaan. Those spies come in, and they meet a woman by the name of, come on, Rahab. And what's she do? She a harlot. She, she bad, right? But she becomes a believer. She believes, and the reason why she believes, she tells the 12 spies the reason why. I've heard about your God. I heard about your God. I heard about what he did in Egypt. I've heard there's a multitude of you, and I know your God is the one true God. So she hid those spies. How do I know this is a big deal? All the way over in Hebrews chapter 11, she makes it into the hall of faith. It's a big deal. Where did she get that news? You don't think that God took what came out of Balaam's mouth, the most wicked, baddest man around that could curse anybody? He can't curse now. All he can do is bless. You don't think the news carried out throughout the area? So what happens next? Well, we know this. We know that Rahab marries somebody. In fact, he marries one of the spies. Stay with me. I'm almost done. Come on. One of the spies has the name of Salmon. Salmon and Rahab have a baby. Anybody know his name? Boaz. If you remember, it's about to get hot. You, you want to, you want to, <laughs> you, this, this is so hot, when you pick this spoon up with soup in it, you have to blow on it. Boaz is related to Elimelech. If you remember, Elimelech was the guy that was connected to Naomi. Naomi's daughter-in-law, Ruth, was a Moabite. She came in and married Boaz, and then they became the great-grandparents of David. And in becoming the great-grandparents of David, they are now in the succession and lineage of Jesus, the great king himself. Now, you see, when something happens in a circumstance, when somebody talks about you, when somebody runs you down, when somebody defames you, you see the moment. But God has set up his story as history. He has all the dominoes set up. He has an eternal perspective, 
and it's bigger than just you. Can I tell you there's collateral damage to not saying the battle belongs to the Lord. There is damage to the future. Not just your future, but the future of those that are lost around you. Can I tell you that God can take even what was set out to be evil against you and turn it into a tool for evangelism? And that's exactly what God did in this story. Because as word got out, oh man, I got, oh. As word got out, the Moabites began to hear. The Canaanites began to hear. People began responding like Rahab, like Ruth. And it's set up for you and I to have Jesus. Woo, it ain't just about me. Praise God, it ain't just about me. Oh, man, is it, here's where it gets good. Out of the seven, can I just read one? Out of the seven blessings that should have been curses, I'm going to read one. And I hope you went to Sunday school class so you can get this. I'm going to read uh, Numbers chapter 24, verse 15. It says this. So he took up his oracle and said, this is Balaam now. He wanted to curse, but now he's blessing. The utterance of Balaam, the son of Beor. By the way, his name means destruction. And the utterance of the man whose eyes are opened. The utterance of him who hears the words of God and has the knowledge of the Most High, who sees the vision of the Almighty. Who's the Almighty? He's seeing Jesus, man. Okay? I behold him, mm, wait, I got to back up. He says, who falls down with eyes wide open. I see him, but not now. Okay, we're looking for him. We're looking for him, all right? I behold him, but not near. Okay, it's sometime in the distance. Say it with me, church. Sometime in the distance. A star shall come out of Jacob. Oh, my, my, my. Where do we hear about stars in the Bible? Oh, a star did something pretty special in New Testament, didn't it? Come on. And a scepter will rise out of Israel. All seven of these prophecies are blessings instead of curses. But this fourth one is a humdinger. This fourth one will burn your britches. It's a big deal. This fourth one is talking about Jesus. I wonder if you could see Israel's, Israel's tribes are all lined up in the shape of a cross. The guy that comes to curse them is going to put a curse over them. And instead of putting a curse over them, the fourth time, he says, <laughs> I see the cross and I see him, but not now. A star will come out of Jacob, a scepter. Whoa, whoa here it comes, here it comes. And God uses the whole evil moment, the whole evil thing. Somebody set out to say something evil, and God turned it all into salvation and evangelism. And in the moment of seeing and looking down at those tribes all ordered in the shape of a cross, he starts prophesying about Jesus. Man, I got a goosebump way back here. I can't even scratch it. <sighs> Two more minutes, please. When pastors say that, it means four. Fifteen hundred years later, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are drawn out of Israel. They're pulled into the Babylonian Empire. 
they are tested by the Babylonian court. Daniel passes the 